Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match with you great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I use Anchor in a simple matter. I take my podcast episodes, edit them in Premiere, upload them to Anchor and schedule them and set my tags and my description, all that good stuff. Just sit back and let it distribute to all the platforms. It's very simple and very easy to use and very user-friendly. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Hey guys, it's Wednesday and you already know what it is. A new episode of Chasing the Frames today and I'm with Devin Tier. He's a writer, producer, director, entrepreneur. What else are you, Devin? Just all around creative, you know. All right, awesome, awesome. So now let me just start, say this before we get started. I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. And remember, if you're a Patreon member, we have different tiers to let you listen to the podcast three days to a week early. So if you can listen to, you can listen right now to next week's episode today if you're in that top tier. So let's get to it. Who's ready to chase frames today? So, Devin, let's start it off, man. Where are you from originally? So, I'm originally born and raised in a small town named Marietta, Ohio. And never in a million years would I expect to end up in Las Vegas. So, what was your first forte or into film, music, television, whatever medium got you going? Like, like the introduction? Yeah. Um, Believe it or not, James Cameron, The Titanic. I watched that movie probably a hundred times. I used to dress up just like Leonardo DiCaprio's Jack. I made my parents call me Jack. Uh, and I really fell in love with just film in general after that. Do people still call you Jack, by the way? No, no. <laughs> not at all. What, what, was so, what was it about Titanic that really made you fall in love with the medium? I was really captivated by the story. Um, you know, following the underdog, mm. down on his luck. He ends up getting the girl... And he still dies in the end, but it's like it's such a beautiful romantic tragedy that I just really dug into it. I yeah. guess. Oh, hey, I understand. It's a good movie. I remember going, seeing that movie in theaters, and like the nude part came up, so I got covered with because uh, you can't really see things <laughs> as a child when you're na- like see naked women. So I got covered with like you know coats and stuff like that. Oh and yeah. And I just started putting a cups in my mouth because it was empty. I'm like, Luke, I am your father. And I'm making my dad and my uncle and my cousin like laugh the whole time. Nice. But like, Titanic's a great movie now that I watched it older. Um, so you watched that. That's your first foray into that stuff. And like, so does that that really put you on the path for film production? Does that make you want to become an actor or, you know, um, director, writer, all that stuff? I think initially I didn't realize that it made me want to be an actor. Yeah. Um, the producing and directing and writing, I never would yeah. have guessed any of that. Um, so it, the initial love was acting. And, you know, I always thought about it. But growing up in the small town, there really weren't a lot of opportunities for yeah. it. So it kind of got pushed. Mm-hmm. 
pushed to the side for for quite a long time. I'd say till college, yeah. So then let's go to college then. So when did you when you got to college? What happened then? Um, oh man, I originally went to so I went to University of Arizona in Tucson. Um, I studied business and transferred into politics. And the whole time I'm just like, man, I just want to do film. And I'm, it was ironic that they actually placed us or placed me and my group of friends into the art storm. So I was surrounded by all these artists who were majoring in dance and music and film and television. So a lot of the conversations I were having were revolving around film. But at the same time, I was getting mixed signals where they were like, oh, you don't really, you shouldn't go into this. Like mm -hmm. study something else, do it later. So eventually I just, you know, I think it was junior year and I, I made the decision that once I graduated, I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to pursue I'm going to pursue acting. I'm going to pursue yeah. this dream. Yeah. So, real quick question also then, how did you get, did you just like want to go to University of Arizona or did you move to Arizona before you went to U of A? No. So, I was a swimmer and I shotgun method applied to a ton of schools. What's well, shotgun method? I don't think uh, you know what that is. I didn't really have a dream school. I yeah. really, I honestly, I'm the first in my family to graduate college yeah. um, or my immediate family and I was just like, I got to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at every single school that was semi-good at swimming. And I was like, I'm just going to apply to all these. University of Arizona was the last one to get back to me in May. And I was like, that's the one I want. Right before deadline? Right it? before deadline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Course, isn't it? That happened to me also. Um, oh, actually, University of Arizona. So after you're finished with that, where did you end up next? Here? Or did you end up in L.A.? I did end up in L.A. So I moved to L.A., um, at the time with the girl of my dreams, uh, kind of that fizzled out. And when that started to fizzle out, that's how I ended up in Las Vegas. My mm -hmm. best friend who I lived with all four years of college, he had moved directly to Las Vegas. And as my relationship declined, he came into this new work opportunity. It was mm -hmm. like, I have a position if you would like it. And eventually the relationship declining, doing so many background gigs. I was like, Yep, let's try something new, and that's what brought me out so here. So were you doing primarily background gigs in L.A. then? I was doing primarily background gigs. I did get a couple, like, day player roles yeah. and guest starring roles, but, um, you know. What was that like? Especially, like, uh, you know, because you didn't really do an acting um, classes or, you know, not acting classes, but you didn't take acting in college, I'm saying. Um, how was that like? Especially, like, did you take classes in L.A.? Like, what was that atmosphere like i did take classes in la i started with ryan r williams um screen actor system shout out but um so it, it was really great uh, the first experience i had was doing background on american horror story and i didn't know any better i didn't know the rules of like a set or mm -hmm. who i should or shouldn't talk to being background and i literally went up to the director of that episode and just having a com a casual conversation which led me to having like a day player role on westworld which ultimately ended up getting cut completely. <laughs> Season one, when they're in the brothel, yeah. Uh, the first time they shot it, they hired all porn stars, and I guess there's a certain amount of flaccidity that you have to maintain on set. Oh, oh and unfortunately, flaccidity. Flaccidity. No one can be erect, and oh. there's an orgy scene, and I guess people. Anyway, they had to reshoot the whole thing, and they just oh, wow. didn't call me back. So well, I, I can't complain. The paycheck was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you're doing that, and then, like I said, your relationship's declining, but at least you're doing, like, some really interesting work with, you know, background set with American Horror Story, and then, like, you know, just like said, Westworld in that, in that regard. Um, when was your, like, what was your last gig before you went to Las Vegas then? Oh, man. What was my, 
Wicked City, which got canceled, I think, after three episodes. What was Wicked City? I, I never even heard of that. Wicked City was with, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Chuck Bass from Gossip Girl. I don't know why. I, know I don't that. watch Chuck. <laughs> I I, I've seen a couple episodes. I'm not going to lie. But that main actor, I his name is, I, I've lost his name right now. But it was an ABC show, uh, so owned by Disney. And it just didn't, didn't come to fruition. Then you said, screw this, I'm going to Las Vegas? As, exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what was that like, especially coming here as an actor who now has been in L.A., in mm-hmm. that market, and now you're in uh, Vegas? So what was that transition like? What did you do? How did that start? So when I first got to Vegas, I hopped on the gig that my, my friend had hooked me up with. So I ended up being co- – so simultaneously to being in L.A., I was a salesperson for Global Business Intelligence, mm. selling like – keynotes and roundtable debates and discussions to Fortune 500 CTOs and CMOs. So when I got here, um, the gig revolved around nightlife. So nightlife, so clubs, day clubs, nightclubs. And I ended up doing business development and actually building out the sales team to take our guest list from just guest list to trying to upsell them into tables. So that's kind of what I started doing here. And I kind of put acting, filmmaking in general to the side. Until about, uh, I moved here in February, and in August, I was like, I got to get back into February it. February of what year, by the way? February of 2016. Oh, okay. So you're, you're still fresh. Yeah. yeah. So a little under four years. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm in the six-year club, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're still in single digits. Um, okay, so you did that. So did you meet a lot of people doing that job, like networking-wise, like kind of people knowing? Or? Yes and no. Um I say no just because when you meet people in a nightlife setting, typically drinking is involved and, you know, those connections can be great. But at the same time, it's I would say it's seldom that they come to fruition just because. Have you ever met anyone in that nightclub scene where they have drank, I guess, too much and then they say they are actors and actresses and they've lied to you about that? Yeah, absolutely. Is that that a more common occurrence than than, uh, (laughs) – I think that's people's like go-to job that they don't actually do because they just think they can get away with it. Well, they're acting right there there and then for you. I did get sold on it once, and I really, I really believed it. Went to IMDb, nothing. They didn't exist. Oh my god! So, <laughs> so okay. So you got back into this week. I think you said Mara. August. 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 So August of 2016, and I ended up, luckily, uh, Ryan R. Williams again, mm-hmm. Screen Actor System. He was doing a class in Las Vegas every Tuesday night. Okay. So I signed up for that class, started getting back into it, and got my first. Like short film role, which was with you and yeah. Murder for Dummies. So. Oh, yeah, so everyone, just to let you know, it's with Brian Alfredo and Kelly, who've been on the podcast previous. Not me. I, I just shot the thing. He was there. <laughs> I was that, there. That, I, I, yeah. <laughs> what was that experience like, by the way? Because that, that was probably your first big thing in a long time in that in that regard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Especially like in a more of a longer form because you're just doing those bit parts and stuff like that. What was that like? How did you like that? It was very, hmm. You can be honest. It was very interesting. Honestly, I, I love the experience. It was a great experience. It really, the pause comes from how eye-opening it was mm-hmm. to where towards the end of my stint in LA, I started getting on the mindset that why do I have to keep asking people to be doing this? I, yeah. I just want to do this. Yeah. Like, I can find a camera. I can start to learn. I can like start shooting stuff. And then being on the set for Murder for Dummies really inspired me like, okay, I I can, you know, be yeah. a part in getting stuff 
to come to life. Mm. So it, so it, it flipped the switch in your brain. Absolutely. Which is interesting too, because I've talked to um, Kelly, we discussed this like two weeks ago about how the hustle life so far that we've known, and we'll probably get this into this later on, uh, with Vegas, Vegas in general, because, you know, is not, they're not, they don't, not really hustling. Like, I guess by the time you were leaving LA, you started getting to this mindset where everyone hustles. Everyone hustles in LA to get the next thing. Oh, yeah, leg. it's nonstop. So it's nonstop. And even on, like, you know, from where I'm from, New, uh, New Jersey, New York area, everyone's oh, yeah. on nonstop. <laughs> That's like know. 10 times. Yeah, 10 <laughs> times. Even in LA, though, it's, I would say is the same amount of, if anything, too, you know, there's like mean? a different vibe in New York, though. You just yeah. like step off the plane and you're like, "Oh, I gotta be doing something yeah. right now." You gotta be moving quicker. Like there's like, always a fast pace. Like my girlfriend always oh, yeah. complains about my like walking because I'm always like 20 steps ahead of her. I know she's shorter than me, but at the same time, <laughs> it's just how I walk. Nice. But, but yeah, it's um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> kind of a little tangent. But basically, you know, you're having that mindset at like t- at, that flip that switch flipped, I should say, when you're on Murder for Dummies. So then, what did you do after Murder for Dummies? I took a deep dive into production and directing and just really started an acting class instead of paying attention to, not that I didn't pay attention, but instead of my main focus being on how can I increase the skill set of acting, it was how can I increase the skill set of filmmaking as a whole. Mm. So what is this, what is Ryan instructing? Why, how is he giving this direction? What's the result of that direction? Um, And really just trying to put stuff in fruition. So I'm, speaking to a lot of people who are writers, seeing if they have anything that they'd like to shoot, looking for people who I know with cameras and skill set that either they want to develop further and, you know, just trying to get stuff rolling. So then what was your first project after, when, you're, when you're in that mindset? If you remember. So the first official project, I would say, honestly, wasn't until 2018. And mm-hmm. it was a short... Yeah, 2018, and it was a short film called Rascal. Before that, I ended up getting hired to do content creation for an app startup. So, you know, that's still a lot of production, but it's it's different than filmmaking. Yeah. In the sense where, you know, it's a lot of how, how-to videos and attention grabbers. Yeah. Versus where a film, you're trying to tell the story. Um, and the first story that I got to play a significant part in bringing to life would be a short film called Rascal that I shot with Joseph Anaya. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, so 2018, so two years after that initial spark. So you you said you shot shot that and then you said acted in it too. Yep, I and acted in did it. Did you also produce it? Did you? I produced and acted in that one Just, and threw out some writing ideas. But I'm going to credit Joseph and I with yeah. all the writing and directing. Well, what was the producing like? Because you never produced that at, that at that moment. I'm guessing until then, right? Yeah. So what, what was that trans? Especially that transitional shift too. Like you're producing now and you're acting. So you're doing two things. It's like double double the work. Yeah. Um. It was the. Hmm. How to explain that? It was. You know, because with the content creation, there's there's still production involved. It's just yeah. a different type. But with the filmmaking, it was really like a lot of just coordination. Mm-hmm. When can we be here? Who can we get uh, to come on board? What's going to make them come on board? And th- and not making like a hostile sense, but what what's going to make another actor interested in being in something? Because at the time, Rascal, we shot for nearly no money. Yeah. So it's, you know, we didn't have a lot to offer. You know, other than what is it? Copy credit and, yeah, a, meal. and a meal. Yeah. So you know what what's going to be enticing about it? And luckily, Joseph Anaya is extremely talented. So having him involved and having his portfolio of work um, that we worked on together at yeah. Adioyo really helped. Uh, actually, attach Coolio. Oh wow! I'm not sure if you're familiar. 
I know Coolio. Oh, perfect. I, I, I'm I'm not young. I'm old. Man. <laughs> well, I'm, no, I'm like thirty now. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I, you don't look it. I <laughs> would have never guessed that. So we got Coolio involved, and you know, it was really finding locations, and we really just used the resources we had. Mm. And I would say it wasn't until this year that the producer hat really came on, and mm. that is a whole different ballpark well, of. Tell us about it. Oh man. Uh, so we dove in to narrative content this year. We did four short films. Um, the first one being shot in the end of December and the end of last December. Mm. And that was with 360 Films and Geno Payne, which was primarily the learning experience. I was more so assistant director on that one, yeah. but I was gifted a producer credit due to the amount of energy and effort that I was yeah. putting into. Well, how did you meet Gino? Because I've heard stories about him, like mm-hmm. good things, not I'm not saying bad things. I'm saying I've heard about him, I should say. Um, how'd you meet him, by the way? I met Gino on the set of Switching Places, which is a film that I'm not sure will, will come to be. Um, Interesting. I, I hope it does. Um, but I met him on set. He was actually hired to replace uh, the first camera guy. And, you know, same thing that I did on the American Horror Story set. I saw him, just started sparking up casual conversation, talking about the camera he was using, why he was using it. And, you know, it, especially in Vegas... It's very seldom where people like care so much about the craft to like learn about the camera, learn about the lenses, and then like to have the not the know how, but just the drive to ask and like yeah. the thirst for information. So having that conversation with him led to him casting me in a commercial that I shot and that we just our relationship kinda, you know, snowballed from there. Gotcha. That's cool, man. That's cool. So then like I said, you got that producer credit and at um and then what, what was the other three films? So the other three films, so the one right after that one, so that one's called Little Big Detail, um, was a short film that Joseph and I had conceived in November of 2017 called Vilma. So Joseph and his girlfriend, Gabby, Gabby Viscara, who is incredibly talented, they co-directed and co-wrote this um, beautiful story that revolves around human trafficking. And we wanted to take a very real approach with a fictional story, which is more difficult than you know i i initially thought um and the production of that was just amazing we luckily we used connections that we had to pull favors for locations and uh did the whole casting process which is 10 times harder than i initially thought casting is so difficult because you might find someone who is amazing yeah but they're not amazing in the ensemble of everybody else Mm. which is an obstacle that i had completely overlooked. It blew your mind. It it blew my <laughs> mind. Um, so that one was amazing. We shot that from February to March, and then we went into another production, a co-production with 360 Films again. So Gino Payne and Mario Payne, and that was Son of Sheba. So that takes place in 950 BC Ethiopia. Yeah. So this was the biggest project I've had as far as financial backing yeah. and just location and grand scale of it all. Were the other two starting to cut you off? Were the other two that you started the producing with the, the other two? I should say, were those no budget? Were those budgeted, or what was those? Bu- what were those bu- budgets? Can't speak. What were the budgets? Yeah. Um, so little big details. I'm not entirely sure what the budget was, as I was brought yeah. in as producer um, towards the end. On Vilma, our budget was five thousand dollars. On Son of Sheba, the budget was thirteen thousand dollars. We went over it a little bit. Yeah, it usually happens with it, the films. It happens. And then uh him and her was around five thousand seven hundred and fifty. Okay, okay. Um and him and her I'm missing this is the fourth one? Yep. What, what's that about? Him and her is about 
DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. So it's a mental health issue that um, revolves in 2% of the population. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it's more than 2%. Don't quote me on that one. You won't um, it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's off the record. Um, but it's on the record because we're... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My, my arms are up right now. No one can see me. But, um, yeah, so it, just a very real approach to... Uh, yeah. Interesting situation. Uh, I never even actually heard of that. Well, so what is DND? DID. DID. So DID did. did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dissociative identity disorder is. I don't want to paraphrase or anything. Um, it's essentially similar to Split, where yeah. I would say Split's more schizophrenic, where he has multiple yeah. voices. But DID is essentially like if I'm if Devin is uncomfortable with public speaking, I might I might I might create a character within myself who is more comfortable with public speaking. Interesting. Where it becomes a mental health issue is where I am no longer in control of when those character flips take place. So it's almost like I have two completely different people within my one brain. So it's huh. it, it can get very drastic. But So like, it's not like a, it is a split personality, but it's not? It's, is it it is talking? split, but it's, it's typically only two personalities. So, oh, okay. um, so for example, in the film, it revolves around a girl who has a split personality mm. um, and she interacts with people and sometimes she knows what she's doing and then other times she comes out of it and isn't aware of anything that's taking place. Are any of these movies like online, by the way, like on Amazon or anything of that, that nature? So there's, still being tra- shopped? there's trailers coming out. There's trailers right now for Vilma and Son of Shiba, a trailer to be announced for him and her. But right now we've entered into the 2020 festival circuit, so unfortunately we're not allowed to release the film until we hear back from those festivals. Gotcha. Uh, for Son of Shiba, by the way, because I've seen the photos of it, and that's really cool. Like that's a lot of costume design, and all that stuff. Yeah. What, what was that like? Like doing that whole. That was intense. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of organizing with a ton of different people. So you're working with a ton of different timetables at one time. Where there's there's costume design, there's you know buying the props there's the the art direction of creating like what is the set going to look like there's finding the location luckily i unbeknownst to me two people that i went to school with their father actually decided to build a legitimate castle in the middle of ohio so i was fortunate enough to come in contact with them mm-hmm. and we were able to lock down an authentic castle oh, wow. for this production. So you shot in Ohio? We did shoot in wow. Ohio. Did you shoot mostly in Ohio or like did you shoot all, all of it? All of it? All wow. of it was shot in Ohio. Okay, that's really dope. Yeah, we uh oh you should have got there with us. That was the fun <laughs> fun part. We had nine people and all of the production like equipment, props in one van and drove from Las Vegas to Ohio. I was very adamant about like Let's not stop that much because yeah. the drive is going to be – it's just going to suck regardless. What, what is it, like a 12-hour tw- drive? It no. ended up being a 42-hour drive. 42-hour drive, okay. That, so it's it's typically a 32-hour drive, but yeah. with stops and everything and nine people, it, it, it added. <laughs> Had to pee like 20 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hold <now>. it. <laughs> no. That's funny. Um, so then – with him and her was the last, I guess the last, you said the last thing you did. Yes, it was. Okay, then what's, what are you doing now? <sighs> There's quite a lot going on right now, um, man. So my man, it's it's hard. There's like so many different avenues going on. Yeah. Right now we are focusing on virtual reality. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've seen that on your uh, Facebook stories, by the way. That's oh, really cool. Heck yeah! Thank yeah. you very much. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, we'll be hosting an event here soon, um, location and dates to be announced. But um, 
Yeah, so VR is something I really want to focus on. I ended up getting an Oculus Go probably five or six months ago mm -hmm. and spending a lot of time in there just looking at content. And I quickly realized there's not a lot of creators in that medium right now. Yeah, it's so, a small medium. Yeah, so I just wanted to pursue it as much as I could, which the way I got into virtual reality was one of our partners. So I own a production company, well, an entertainment company. Yeah. I was um, actually going to ask you about that next. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hold off then. So yeah. Well, tell us about, <laughs> then tell us about monkey tier. So production company. Yeah. Or, so uh monkey tier entertainment is a live entertainment or monkey tier entertainment is a full service entertainment company. We specialize in film live entertainment and hopefully soon virtual reality. So I'm the executive vice president of film and VR initiatives. And then Fumie Suguri is the executive vice president of live entertainment. So her background is she's a two-time Olympian from Japan. Oh, wow. And her biggest goal right now is to do a live ice show. And we're combining that ice show with holograms. So it was a hologram aspect from the ice show that kind of pushed me into the direction of virtual reality. I'm guessing she did figure skating. In the Olympics, okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't want to assume anything, but I have to ask. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so you're doing that. That's really cool, by the way. So how is that like? Are you finding funding for that grants? What are you doing to do that stuff? Yeah. So right now, um, we have some. I can't announce a lot of well, things yeah, yeah, revolving around I, it. You can just me yes or no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So we're the primary thing we're looking to do now is find sponsorship yeah. for that show. Um. Luckily, we've partnered up with some pretty well-known companies and I'm hoping to use that to go out there and grasp some sponsorship dollars to help us bring this uh this idea to life hologram and VR that's that's uh that's a new one I feel like I never in a million years would have ever guessed that. yeah that's gonna be I feel like that's gonna be tough but I think you can pull it off I know you oh, can. I appreciate that yeah Thank man you. like it that's like Coachella on steroids like. <laughs> yeah <laughs> virtual reality is interesting um yeah. I I've spent a lot of time consuming content um and not so much gaming, although yeah. the, the games are very addictive. Really? Yeah. What uh, What's your favorite uh, VR game then? Super Hot VR. But a Super new... Hot VR. Yeah. What, what are you doing Super Hot VR? So when you move, time moves. Okay. So if you stand still, no, nothing really happens. And these characters are coming to attack you. They're like red polygon. Yeah. You remember in Smash Brothers, the polygon level where they're all like, these like purple creations coming down to fight you. I think so, yeah. So it's similar to like that design of character, but they're coming to attack you. So someone's throwing a punch or shooting you, mm -hmm. but everything's in like bullet time until you move. So it's like it's strategy and I guess combat. Yeah, it, it's just addictive. Has has the VR space worked a lot? Because I know you're on TikTok also. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that because I, I that's a oh, that's man. a whole new thing that people cannot understand and get their like wrap their heads around about like how um how it's working because i feel like it's honestly personally between right now because i don't know much about it i don't like it i'm, I'm be honest like i just think it's you're like, not alone I, I it's like vine and i hate it vine because i hate five second like clips of things so yeah. i want to hear what why you chose why you chose vine why you chose tiktok what like you know what makes you tick on tiktok like how <laughs> how's it like react? i like that yeah how's um how's the audience like you know all that stuff mm -hmm. like what what's making tiktok special for you i guess so what got me into tiktok was in october of last year so october of 2018 i randomly downloaded the platform fumie actually mentioned it cuz it it's very big in asia um and i started looking at it and i 
instantly got inspired because I saw one account with 100,000 views and like 100,000 likes. And then the next video on the For You page had zero. And I was like, oh my God, that is an opportunity. Yeah. Because on Instagram, you know, you can make an amazing piece of content, but unless you add that following, the algorithms, it's really hard to get yeah. out there in front of people. So I quickly realized how easy it was to get in front of people. So in the beginning, I've deleted a lot of videos off my account now because in the beginning I was doing a lot of, I call them low hanging fruit pieces of content, yeah. which is the lip singing. It is the, uh, you know, the trending yeah. That's videos. why I always thought TikTok was just about like, just like lip sync videos, to be honest. And then people are doing all these crazy things. I see you doing the VR stuff. Sorry. To, sorry yeah. Like, no, kinda, you're good. Kind of like turn five pages like ahead, but uh, let's go back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of burnt like everything over. No, you're, no, you're good. Um, yeah, it's, you know, uh, TikTok's a kind of it's a crazy platform because I, I want to be doing it all the time. Yeah. But at the same time, I go through the for you page and I see the meme and the cringe stuff and the compilation and it's it's a little you know it's a little um what's it's, it starts with a D I can't the words not not D D D um disconcerting it's a, disheartening yeah it's a lot of deheart disheartening yeah I guess if that's the correct I think I grew I up know, with a speech know. impediment so yeah. I'm just going to chop it up to that yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just discouraging. Just, wow. uh, close enough, you know. <laughs> you know, we were close. H and C are so close together. Very close. Um, so yeah, it's just a little discouraging because it's like I want to create, you know, something a little bit more meaningful than yeah. the like I baked you a like you, you know and. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's all about not worrying or caring what mm -hmm. the audience thinks, and I and I don't mean that in a negative way, but at the end of the day, like. You got to do things that make you happy. Like when I scroll through my TikTok, I'm not scrolling through like what videos of mine got the most like. I'm scrolling through the ones that like I, I either loved making, I loved putting together, I loved coming up with the yeah. idea. And like those are the ones that are most meaningful to me. So like there's one on there that's stop motion animation. I had never done stop motion animation. And I put like it took four hours to do this yeah. freaking video. But I, I loved it. It got like 22 likes. And I'm like. Like count doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's kind of irrelevant how many likes, but it's just, it's funny. That's the discouraging part is yeah. the stuff that you really care about. You might put it out there and it, it just might flop. It's just, that's yeah. how the platform is. Well, that's like YouTube and like said, Instagram too, because I mean, yeah, followings and all that stuff. But if you go to that like heart section or whatever, that the like, explore page, yeah, explore yeah. page, you'll find stuff on there. And sometimes like, you're like, how the hell is that trending? And you're like, mine should be trending here. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, the VR stuff, is that working on TikTok? I've not tried. No, actually, I've tried one video and I like, so Fumie, uh, I went to CNA, so City National mm -hmm. Arena with Fumie, and we mounted one of the 360 cameras on top of her a helmet yeah. and had her perform a program. So I did this thing where when she's spinning, as she spins, it shoots you out. It makes like a tiny little planet. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you back, I thought... It would be like super eye catching and engaging. Yeah. No. Nope. Can you um, with those? Because I, I, I mean, I'm not really familiar with 360 that much. I mean, I kind of started going it, like looking into it. Mm -hmm. Can you still like pinch and zoom around in the app? Like if you're like posting stuff online, can you still like you know like 360? So on you, Facebook like, you can, um, TikTok you cannot, and Instagram you cannot. So that's okay. why you see a lot of like a lot of people who are doing virtual reality content that are using social media. Uh, primarily Instagram and TikTok there you have to do creative ways to show that it's virtual reality because it, it 
the platform's just not optimized for that yet. Gotcha. That should be interesting when it does. Um, so what, like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to make a movie in VR? Like, are you like, are you planning on a movie in VR? I have to ask. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, I was thinking about like <laughs> about that. Like, I'm like, that'd be really cool, a VR movie. I'm like, let me ask Devin about that. So, it was, can you tell us the idea? Is it like? Yeah, like, absolutely. Right. Um, so it's act, so this is what's crazy, and I, you know, there's a lot to plan. So yeah. Um, I'm not sure what exactly will come out of it. We're we're kind of in the early stages now, but we have a feature film script. So it's about 115 pages. It's called Killer Be Killed. Just awesome script. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't put it down as soon as I started reading it. Was that the sci-fi one that I saw online about six months ago? No, that is Cyberpathic, which is also something that we might look into okay. potentially doing in virtual reality. But that's actually with my acting teacher, Ryan R. Williams. Oh, okay. So there's there's a lot to be discussed about that one. But with Killer Be Killed... You know, it was a it's 115 pages, which is very daunting for me. I've not done a feature film mm-hmm. from a producer standpoint. Um, I've talked to the writer, and there's some possibility that he wants me to direct it. I wow. personal feelings about directing it is I would like to find someone who's ahead of me yeah. and maybe like co-direct with it. Um, but the initial thought was I should chop a short out of this yeah. and just do that and try to use the short to raise money to do the feature film, but after talking to a handful of mentors, they're all pushing, like, just do the feature. And then recently our company just joined the VRAR Association. What's um, that, the VRAR? So it's Virtual Reality Augmented Reality Association. Mm-hmm. So there's around 22,000 members, um, multiple Fortune 500 companies, Lenovo, Microsoft, Unity, a um, couple different developers and creators. So I'm looking into possibly – shooting a feature in virtual reality which i was doing research last night ironically and the longest film i found in virtual reality is 40 minutes oh wow so it it, you know it it's a little daunting to be like i'm going to make you know it's 115 pages so roughly a two hour long film in virtual reality and you know i use a headset a lot yeah but even me two hours and there, it's a good amount of time. So yeah, just looking around, sometimes I just feel nauseous, and I'm like, I know I'm on like just a, on you know a computer screen watching this stuff, but I'm like scrolling shit around. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like my eyes hard, and like, it, like oh god, I don't feel good. <laughs> it can get intense. There's yeah. a couple experiences on there where it's it's media based and it's on an app called Within, which um, for those who aren't familiar, I would say it's it's like the Netflix of virtual reality content. Oh, cool. And it's there's some on there that are just very intense, and they're not even. I personally am very afraid of horror films. Yeah. Um, but there's some films on there that aren't even horror films, but they're just so engaging that the, the amount yeah. of fear that builds up in you is, oh, wow. is in, in, intense. I'm going to have to look that up or look into that. I mean, that's really cool. Holy shit. So within, you said, right? <laughs> yep. I will, yeah, I'll definitely. Is it free? Is it like. It's, it's free, and all the content on there is free. Um, you can download it or stream it. it well, it's I don't have a VR headset, so I might be a little screwed on that. Maybe uh, uh you can actually you can view it on your computer, okay. um, and they set it up so you're in virtual reality on there. Um, Would and you recommend you... me seeing it on the computer or a VR more? If you could get a headset, I would recommend that. But if you want to get a cheap headset, you you could get the Google Cardboard. Yeah. it's fifteen dollars. Pop your phone in there. The Within app is uh, iOS and Google Play downloadable, so you can stream right from your phone. Might have to look into that then. I definitely will have to. I'll tell you about that in like a few weeks then. I'll, if you ever want to test the headset out, just let me know. I'll, oh, okay. I'll, I'll set it up. And then, like I said, we're hosting an event soon. Yeah. Um, what? And we'll have all these headsets there so people can try different things. 
I wish I knew about when the event was because I told. I you. wish I knew about yeah. when the event was. <laughs> well, we're in the process of planning now. Well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> the target date is December seventh. Well, this is going to be after December seventh. So okay. Well, <laughs> well, the, the event happened. Sorry, sorry everyone. <laughs> this is in February now. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, so twenty twenty. Well, by the time this is released, twenty twenty. Let me let me hear about your wishes in twenty twenty. What do you want? Goals. What were your goals for 2020's year? So, the primary goals for 2020, which we had to fine tune what we wanted to focus on. Um, I want to do. I want to be presenting the live ice show um, with holograms in June, July, or August of 2020. Maybe September, October. That's a, that's a, that's a really like. I mean, I know it's month, months away, but in I mean that that's a quick time frame i feel like it's too. pretty ambitious yeah, the bright really side ambitious. is the content that we're using is already optimized for 3d so yeah. as far as like holograms there's not so we have to scale the characters but other than that there, there's no 3d design that has to be done it's more like changing the aspect ratio of these characters what about the hologram though wouldn't that be a little bit more difficult to integrate though surprisingly well i'm personally not doing the hologram so i don't i don't want to yeah. speak a lot but um the two there's two kind of companies we're looking at involving with that one of them's moment factory the other one is ben stokes and they have tons of experience they've done the mia and monet um kind of like world tour where one of them when they were performing the other character would be in holograms and then moment factory has worked with uh, their repertoire is just very maxed out Hmm. so you want to do that what else um i want to shoot right now i have a rough date for April 1st to be in production for Killer Be Killed. Okay. And then I would love to help Ryan R. Williams bring Cyberpathic to life. Now, uh, actually, I want to ask you about Cyberpathic. I, I saw this months ago. I should have looked at it before we did the podcast today. Um, it looked really cool. looked interesting. Like, what what was that like? Because that looked like a lot of green screen also. Was that like a, all green screen? There was there was some green screen involved, yeah. yeah. What was that? Um. What do you, how do you feel about that script? Like, what what so excites you about? I that loved it. A lot? Honestly, like working with Ryan R. Williams is such a privilege. Um, the the amount of professionalism he brings to the craft and the sheer amount of knowledge he has about it just makes the experience incredible. It's it's seldom that you work with. I feel like it's dwindling now, in the sense where working with directors and getting the direction and getting the prep and getting the rehearsals it's it happens. So I don't want to make it sound like it doesn't happen, yeah. but it, to the extent that he takes it is something that, you know, it's a dime a dozen, I feel like. Like a longer prep time, you're saying, right? Oh, yeah, just... Um, yeah, because I, I like a longer prep time myself. Like Same. Yeah, because you, like, I mean, like, if you're like, we need a quick turnaround. It's like, well, did you prep for everything? You're going to be screwed when you have, like, you know, not enough mics. Or exactly. Not enough, you know, things to do. So, yeah, I I, I, I was, uh, when we were doing the feature film for Murder for Dummies, we were, like, discussing, like, prep time and stuff like that. I'm like... Can we have at least a month, like three weeks to a month? Because we need to, you know, do all this shit. So, oh, absolutely. There's yeah. so much that goes into it that, you know, in, in the moment you're like, we can be shooting this in a week. And it's like, well, actually, we need to find locations. We need to yeah. have the art direction. We need to storyboard everything. We need to come up with the shot list. We need and to come up. You can't really lock down locations in a day, I feel like. Because, like, no. at the same time, like, what you can only go to so many places in one day. And then you have to figure out also how it looks at all those times that you need to shoot at. Exactly. Like if you shoot at 8 a.m. and you shoot the house at 8 p.m., you really don't know the logistics of how the house looks at 8 p.m. If you have to leave at 8 a.m. 
to go to the next house for nine o'clock. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's a pain in the ass. And then you got to, you know, negotiate the location yep. fees, get the contract. It, it's a process. It is a process. It is a process. Pre-production is the, the one of the, the, honestly, the most important thing in a film. Probably. I, I, th- I think it plays a huge role in determining how your film will end up. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I agree. All, all, three, all three stages, pre-production, production, and post-production are definitely equally important. But failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Mm-hmm. So I like that one. So that gives me like that's what drives me so hard into yeah. pre-production. Uh, here's a question because you are you have casting for you. Um, when you did casting, was it like tough to get Las, did you get Las Vegas, a lot of Las Vegas actors or did you get like a mix of LA and Vegas actors? We got a mix. Yeah. Um, for Son of Sheba, we used um, actually we used Atlanta actors and actresses, um, which was a great experience. Atlanta actors and. Yeah, wow, that that as you go from LA, you go from Las Vegas to Ohio, and then you get actors from Atlanta. That's yeah, so the the rehearsals were interesting because you're doing it over Skype yeah. and the FaceTime. But why uh, didn't you pick like Vegas actors? Being in a Vegas company, your company's in mm-hmm. Vegas, obviously. So why didn't you like? What did you? Like, I'm not trying to roast Vegas actors or anything like that, but I need to. I want to figure out like. Vegas actors yeah like you know what I mean I'm trying I want to figure that's like one thing I, I'm always perplexed by is like because I know like you know the people I've worked with like in the past you Brian Kelly Alfredo you know even the other people I've worked with on other things you know hard workers and then there's other stories where I hear like horror stories of Vegas actors so it's yeah. like I'm trying to figure out where like I think wh- there's just it's you know Vegas comes with like like I said earlier about New York and how you yeah. step off the plane and automatically the energy is like let's go out let's let's hustle in la it's very hustle based but it's also like a, it's just at a slower place you know everyone's yeah. wearing sunglasses you're you're eating outside and kind of it has that lax vibe yeah vegas a lot of avocados, is, <laughs> lot of avocados. <laughs> vegas is interesting because you i think it's because it's a nightlife town it's yeah. a very uh, transient town and i think the issue is just i don't know because it's 50 50 with actors where yeah. You get the ones who want to hustle, but then you get the ones who like Vegas is a very comfortable place. Mm-hmm. You know, right now I would say the cost of living compared to like the other yeah. cities we just mentioned, relatively yeah. low. Um, and I, I just think it with that brings an approach of like, oh, I'll get to it yeah. type of uh, energy. But, you know, it's different per person. So I don't want to speak to all the Las yeah. Vegas actors as a whole, but it's something that I've encountered as well. Here's another one for you. Let me ask you this. You've been here now, you said four years, so and you've kind of started the film more or less in 2016, right? So, mm-hmm. all right, in the last four years, have you seen a increase or decrease of film production in Vegas in the sense of, like, has the film, industry, in the film community in Vegas gotten better, worse, staying stagnant? What is, the, what, what is your outlook on the film production or film community, I should say, in Vegas? The film community? Um... Well, I'm gonna get. I want to be really honest. Yeah, be honest. Right, I want right people now. to be honest because I think I think we need to have just an open open line of communication. And be we have to criticize people because like sometimes people can't understand criticism mm-hmm. or take criticism. And I feel like if we're just open and honest with each other and like see from each person's eyes, then at least you know at least it's not just me seeing the problem or you Absolutely. seeing the problem. You know, it's multiple people seeing problems. I think definitely in the past since I've been here, production has definitely gone up. There's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there creating right now, which is amazing to see. Um, with the community, I think that there needs, like, we have a great community in the sense of there's a lot of mixtures planned. 
Our, yeah. The Nevada Film Office is amazing. I think it it has to do with we all. I want to speak in general. We all hold these like it's a very competitive industry, yeah. and it's a very ego driven and like there's something about when people express themselves that kind of creates this dynamic. And I think what would benefit Vegas is if everyone looked at each other in more of a friendly competition sense versus like, Oh, I'm better than you. And Mm -hmm. the reason I say that is, you know, I I believe competition is good. It, It leads to innovation. It leads to new ideas. And the reason I say friendly composition or competition is I want people to come to my set. I want them to be like, oh, well, I would do it this way. And then yeah. I want to know why you would want to do it this way because not only will that make my film better, but that'll make me better. Yeah, and you're right, learning. And right now in Vegas, a lot of people don't help other – like they help their – it's like high, it feels like high school. They yeah. help their circle, but they don't help other circles. And it feels like they don't really go out often to find out who's in those other circles or what they're really doing until it's already – until their stuff is out there, if that makes yeah. sense. I know I get it because I kind of I feel like me personally I kind of end up in that little niche or click I should say of people because I kind of stay with. But then again, I mean how I see it is like I stay with people that I know are going to be doing, like working hard to get to where they want to yeah. go. But then again, I don't want to. I guess because maybe I'm just seeing it through Facebook where I'm like I'm not going to go with those people because I'm like I don't really know them, mm-hmm. but like I don't know if they're going to accept me because I'm just blunt and honest about shit. So I guess I'm scared in that sense and not really trying to open up my own eyes yeah. and stuff. So I, 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 I am at fault for that as well then too. Oh, I'm definitely at fault. I, you know, um, especially this year, I, we got our teams together, uh, in the beginning of the year and I, I like stuck to my guns. I stuck with my team mm-hmm. the whole time. I, I try to go to as many mixtures as I can. I try to meet as many people. Um, it just feels like there's a lot of like competition and until you have recognition, people, yeah. people kind of pretend like they I don't know if they pretend or they just don't see you as being valuable in the community, yeah. which I think is a disservice because I, I think everyone has something to offer and just yeah. listening to, you know, each other's stories, I, I think could really help the community. And, you know, I see a lot of, I think it comes down to like what the goal is of individuals in this industry. If you're in filmmaking as a business to create a profit, so you're just trying to make art and flip it, that's going to put you in one category. If you're trying to like make a movie to go to theaters or to go to festivals, like that kind of puts you in a different category. And I see these two categories in Vegas, but I don't see them often mingling with each other. And I think I also see the issue. I think another issue I see, maybe it's not as much now, but I always saw as like people using the same people. It's like, you don't give other people the chance. So how can you help grow a community if you're not giving everyone a chance? And even like, cause I went to a mixer once Mm-hmm. And it said, like, you know, it asked who you are and all that stuff and said, like, you know, name, email, um, like, what do you do and yada, yada, yada. And you think they at least email yet or something or, like, you know, give out a, a list of people you can work with or work. You know, I don't I don't really know because I never went to a mixer before. Yeah. But, like, still, like, it's always the same people you see in every movie. And, I mean, nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, why can't you give someone else a chance, I guess, like, yeah. maybe, like, like so and so's performance in that movie could have was all right, but if you gave your if I gave you a chance, it could have been better. Even yeah. The, even if you we can't if we saw you in casting, and you had a stronger performance, but no, I'm friends with so and so. I I give I'm gonna give him the role. Mm-hmm. It's like, I 
maybe I'm going on. No, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, I definitely see that. I, I'm fortunate enough to say that on all four films that we did this year, we used different actors on all of them. Mm. You know, the only common denominator. So there was two common denominators on each. We used Maxie McClintock, or we didn't use. We worked with Maxie McClintock. Who's that? She is the Atlanta-based actress. Phenomenal. She she will be discovered within a year's time. I, yeah. I don't doubt it at all. Um, she was our lead actress in Sonoshiba, and she was the lead actress in Little Big Details. And then I played an antagonist character in Vilma, and I played a protagonist character in Him and Her. Mm-hmm. And other than me and her there was no common actors yeah among any uh, among any of the films and and that not only did that help the film i think that helped us because yeah. now we're learning like because every actor gets information differently and takes information differently so your director skills are getting better mm-hmm. as a producer your um communication skills are growing because different people just communicate in different yeah. ways and i would love to see people in vegas reaching out and working with a wider variety. I think my opinion on why that could be happening is if your goal is just to turn over as much as you can, you're going to work with what you know because it's what you know. Yeah. Right. So if you're like talking to a company and you're trying to upsell them to use your service, the common objective is, well, I, I do this already. Why do yeah. I need you? Right. Yeah. So I think it, I think it translates over into the film industry as well. Gotcha. Very good point. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up today? No, I wasn't expecting that question. Uh, what do I want to add? No, I, you know, it was a pleasure talking to you, John. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm honored to be number six. Woo! <laughs> that that blown out. I think you blew out the speaker. Oh man, my bad. I, I should have known that. I'm not. A, I'm fine. not a singer it's though, fine. so my proximity to the mic is not. It's okay. I should have just rode the, the volume. My bad. <laughs> That's my fault. No, not at Sorry all. Sorry to everyone's eardrum who heard that. But uh, I hope people. Actually, I do have one thing to say. Yeah. Creators, creatives, influencers, give Las Vegas a chance. Come in there with a good mindset. Reach out to people who are doing what you want to be doing collaborate and let's make Las Vegas uh, have a foothold in this industry. That's what I would love to see. That's a great way of putting it out there, man. That's, I like that. That's a great end button actually. Oh, thank Thank you you so much, man. Thank you, Devin. Again, it was a pleasure having you. I was very excited about this, uh, you know, podcast because you really got me excited. (laughs) I got myself excited and all that good stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you came. I'm glad you came. So let me wrap up guys. Uh, thank you again for listening, and remember to subscribe to the podcast. We are on Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher. Also, we have a Patreon page. If you if I forgot, if you forgot that I told you already, but if you want to be a part of that, I got great plans in the future for this podcast, and I can only do them with the love and support of my frame chase hashtag frame chasers. New thing I'm using hashtag frame chasers, guys. So um, thank you again. Have a great day, guys, and go out there and chase frames. <laughs>